Okay, okay. I get it. They're not Arkansas. They're most certainly not Georgia. But South Carolina's matchup against the Kentucky Wildcats this coming Saturday is the biggest litmus test of this entire season for South Carolina. And I'm going to discuss why today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to quickly thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster, so post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show as always for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. Real quickly, want to apologize for this show coming out a little bit later than usual. I was not feeling good earlier when I was going to record this show, and so I felt like that I needed to push this back, make sure that I got a little bit better so that I could deliver a high-quality show as always, for all of you. So once again, do apologize for that. Going to try to avoid that happening, of course, in the future. But let's go ahead and get on into the purpose of today's show, which is going to be to discuss why this matchup against the Kentucky Wildcats is going to be the biggest litmus test for the South Carolina Gamecocks in the 2022 football season. And I mentioned in the Colt Open, no, they are probably not as good as other teams that we're going to play on this schedule. They probably couldn't beat in Arkansas, or at least, you know, it would be pretty close, and you could probably favor Arkansas at least a little bit in that game. They probably won't defeat Georgia, although if Georgia plays like they did against Missouri, who knows? Maybe Kentucky would have a shot, and they probably couldn't even defeat a team like Clemson. And the thing about this game being a litmus test, and I want to be abundantly clear when I say this, I'm not saying that this game is going to decide how the rest of the season is going to play out no matter what the circumstances are. I'm not saying that this game is going to change the job status for head coach Shane Beamer. But my thought process behind this game against Kentucky is that South Carolina is really going to find out where the program currently stands at this moment in the Shane Beamer era in Columbia, South Carolina. And I want to break this conversation down into three separate parts on today's show, starting off with the coaches and how this game will be a litmus test for them in their own right. Now, for the purposes of the show, I'm only going to talk about how this could affect offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield and defensive coordinator Clayton White and sort of maybe the perception of both of these coaches on South Carolina staff. So let's start off with Marcus Satterfield. Now, objectively speaking, let's be honest. Marcus Satterfield is the one coach on this staff who really needs things to go right in this game against Kentucky. I'm by no means saying that there's going to be any changes made to this position if things were to go south in this game against the Wildcats. But in terms of expectations leading into this season, the offense really needs to have a solid game against a quality opponent like Kentucky. And to sort of really expand on this conversation, I want to give you all a few quick noticeable stats that I picked up that the Gamecocks have had so far this season. 
Starting off with first half touchdowns. The Gamecocks have only scored four touchdowns in the first half all season against FBS opponents. So that's not counting their last game against South Carolina State, who is an FCS opponent. Four touchdowns. So they're literally averaging only one touchdown per game against an FBS opponent, which obviously concerns the fact that two of those games were Georgia State and Charlotte, both of which have only combined for two wins so far this season. That's not a very good look. The offense has also lost the ball 13 times in five games this season, which is tied for the sixth worst mark in the entire country. Obviously, you can't put all the turnovers on Marcus Satterfield, but sometimes you could maybe make an argument that maybe the players could have been put in a better position in order to be able to succeed on that play, at the very least, not have a turnover occur. And then the last stat that I really want to hit home with all of you. South Carolina's offense so far this season has a third down conversion percentage of 36.4%. To put that in perspective, that is tied for 85th nationally. Basically, that's a below average mark in terms of stacking this number up against every other team in college football. The point being with all of these stats that I just brought up, I think the fan base can say that this offense so far hasn't lived up to the expectations that were set on them leading into the season. And there are multiple factors to point to for why that's the case. But for Marcus Satterfield, this is a man who, of course, oversaw an offense last year that had its share of bad moments. And because of that, and what has happened so far in 2022, this needs to be a game where Marcus Satterfield shows everyone why he is the guy to lead South Carolina's offense, why he should be South Carolina's play caller on this staff. Because he's going to be going up against one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football this coming weekend in Brad White for the Kentucky Wildcats. And to give you all an idea of just how good Kentucky's defense has been under Brad White up to this point, here are Kentucky's total defense rankings since Brad White took over as the defensive coordinator in 2019. Starting in 2019, Kentucky's total defense ranking was 14th. In 2020, the COVID season, which clearly had an impact on how much time teams could actually spend preparing for that upcoming season due to all the protocols, Kentucky still finished ranked 45th in the country in total defense, which is a very respectable mark considering all the external circumstances that, again, all these teams had to deal with. In 2021, Kentucky finished 26th in total defense. And five games into the 2022 season, Kentucky's on pace to finish 15th in total defense, which would be their second best mark to date under Brad White. Kentucky is known for getting the most out of all of their players on their roster. And this mainly occurs through the scheme that they employ on defense, which, of course, I'm going to get into more detail on later in the week. But, of course, there's also another coach on the South Carolina Gamecock staff who also might need to prove something in this football game. I'm going to dive into how this game is a litmus test for defensive coordinator Clayton White and also subsequently some of the players on South Carolina's roster in just a couple of moments. But before I do that, I, of course, need to pass along a message from our friends over at LinkedIn who are the sponsors for today's show. 
Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you should check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to network with a bunch of different graduates and alumni of the University of South Carolina, which could open the door for any of us to potentially get a job in someone else's small business in the future. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of up to 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. Once again, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that nearly every week, 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn. Why sit on the sidelines and watch other small businesses take all of these candidates? Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to segment two of this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. If you want future alerts and notifications on any future shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, be sure to subscribe and click the bell on YouTube. And also be sure to give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcast daily. The Locked On Gamecocks podcast greatly appreciates you for, again, making us your first watch and listen every single day. All right, so let's continue this discussion on why this Kentucky game is such a big litmus test for different parts of this football program. We talked about Marcus Satterfield in segment one. Now let's talk about defensive coordinator Clayton White. Sort of like I did with Marcus Satterfield, I want to bring a few specific stats to y'all's attention because I think that these stats are quite telling as to how this defense has played so far this season. And I understand that, again, there have been a lot of injuries to the defense. There's been a lot of different rotations that have had to happen at certain spots, especially in the defensive backfield. But in certain cases, some of these stats, quite frankly, they're, they're just, they're not good enough. They are not meeting the expectation levels that this defense had on them heading into this year. When looking at opponent third down percentage, the Gamecocks are currently giving up a 41.2% third down conversion rate to their opponents, which ranks 91st in the FBS. Again, a very below average mark here. They're also tied for 91st in the FBS in first downs allowed to their opponent. And they have the fifth worst mark in all of college football in terms of team sacks. As through five games in the 2022 football season, South Carolina has only gotten four sacks. Yes, four sacks. That is less than one sack on average every single game. 
For a team that returned the starters and experience that they had from a defense a year ago that finished 46th overall in total defense, and yes, I know, the rush defense wasn't very good last year, and the pass defense subsequently did way better or wasn't tested as much because of it, but still, it feels like that in certain facets, there has been some regression on the defensive side of the ball this season, and again... I know a lot of guys have been banged up, and the schedule at the beginning also was not the easiest three-game stretch to start in terms of the play style of both Georgia State, Arkansas, and Georgia. But there's been some notable issues that this defense has had, and I have three that I have really picked up on over the course of this season so far. The first one being that South Carolina defenders are finding themselves too often being out of their gaps or being unable to shed blocks in the defensive front and subsequently not being able to affect enough plays, which has allowed their opponents to get decent amounts of yards before they're even contacted by the first Gamecock defender. This, of course, cannot happen in the SEC. If it does every given week, then South Carolina is not going to find very much success on the defensive side of the ball. Another issue, the defensive backfield recently has started to see a very big problem in terms of getting a lot of penalties accumulated throughout the course of these football games. It sort of really started against the Georgia Bulldogs in week three, and I don't really count that game too much because, again, South Carolina was missing a lot of their usual starters during that game. There was a lot of true freshmen that were playing significant snaps really for the first time ever in their career against the defending national champs. I'm not going to hold that game against those players because that's not fair to those guys to do that. But against Charlotte and South Carolina State, when you do have more of your veteran defensive backs back in the starting lineup, there have been far too many instances where South Carolina's been called for pass interference or holding on the back end of the defense facing these teams. These are two of the worst teams that you're going to play all year. No offense to Charlotte and South Carolina State because they both have a couple of solid players on their roster, but comparing that to Kentucky and Tennessee is just futile. It's laughable to even try to do that. So if you're having issues against those teams, what's going to happen when you face SEC teams once again on a regular basis? And then the last issue that I've seen, this defense still has not been able to get off the field on a consistent basis. Up until the South Carolina State game, they have had a ton of issues getting off the field on third down. What happens when you can't get off the field? Your defense gets worn out. What happens when you get worn out? Well, you're not thinking as clearly. Maybe you're not able to make certain plays that you would be able to make under usual circumstances. So what could that lead to? That could lead to points for the opponent, especially opponents who can take advantage of your defense being worn down because they can't get off the field. And that is what you'll see happen continuously against some of these SEC teams if that issue is not corrected. Now, the Kentucky Wildcats do run a pro-style offense similar to the Gamecocks, and they have multiple weapons on their team, but they are shaky up front on the offensive line, especially in terms of pass protection from what I've seen out of them so far this year. So if things are going to change in terms of the defensive front's performance in certain areas, this is a game where they could potentially buck those trends and turn the tide a little bit. But I will get into that again later on in the week. And of course, the coaches aren't the ones who are out there on the field. The players, when they are out there and they are put in the right position, they still have got to execute. Let's start with the offense. Look, I'm not going to really talk too much about Spencer Rattler, but every conversation on offense is going to start with him anyway. So I might as well get this out of the way. 
Spencer Rattler has not played up to his full potential so far this season. I don't think any Gamecock fan would disagree with that statement. He has had multiple plays where he has not shown good decision-making. He's had multiple times where he has sort of broken some cardinal rules of the quarterback position in terms of maybe trying to maneuver in or leave the pocket, which has led to some negative plays for South Carolina's offense. There have been times where he's missed open receivers in certain portions of the field where he had a relatively clean pocket and he had a little bit more time to scan a little bit longer. So Spencer Rattler is definitely not absolved from criticism in terms of the offense's performance so far this year. The running back room, to be honest, they don't really deserve to be judged at all at this point in the year because, again, the first few games, they didn't really get a fair chance. In game one, it was because the perimeter blocking on the outside just wasn't good enough. Weeks two and three against Arkansas and Georgia, quite frankly, the running game was not prioritized enough early on. In week four, they finally got a chance to show what they could do against Charlotte, and they made the best of it. And then we saw more glimpses of that in week five against South Carolina State, but again, those are two of the worst teams you're going to face all year. Kentucky and Tennessee and Florida and other teams are going to have better defenses than both of those programs showed. Up front on offense, you have not been consistent enough in terms of your run blocking on the edges, which in my opinion is probably because of the scheme that is being implemented, but I digress on that topic. Interior run blocking has been so-so. There's been games where they've done well in this aspect, but then a game like against South Carolina State where they didn't do so hot in that area. In pass protection, the edges have not protected good enough and the offensive tackle slots. And there's been multiple guys in those spots that have had some struggles there. From the wide receiver position, we haven't maybe seen a whole lot of separation from these guys. And again, not sure if that's due to the scheme or if it's a different issue maybe with the timing with quarterback Spencer Rattler. I can't really tell you that because from watching these games back, it's very hard to tell from the camera angle that you get in those football games. Defensively, I'll rehash on all this again real quick. The defensive front, specifically on the edges, they have got to do a better job of staying in their gaps and not overcommitting to certain looks. If a running back gets a fake handoff going to the inside, defensive ends who are not being blocked at all, they have got to sit in those gaps and just wait and see what the quarterback does and read what his decision is. If he gives the ball off, then go chase after the running back. There's too many times where that's not happening. Instead, they're just cutting loose and going right after the running back, and the quarterback's able to scramble for easy yardage. That cannot be happening in the SEC. In the linebacker unit, there's been a couple of instances where those guys have found themselves a little bit too much out of position on certain run plays, which has compounded the rush defense issues that have continued to show themselves up front. In the defensive backfield, again, you can kind of understand why their performances have been a little bit up and down so far this year because of all the young players that have had to play meaningful snaps in multiple games, and there's been some injuries to some of their top guys, but those guys have got to get back in a rhythm. Those guys have got to cut out the penalties to a big extent. So really and truthfully, there's not one position group that has just flat out gone above and beyond what they are asked to do so far this year. So again, I'm not saying that, you know, the coaches and players that, you know, they just have nothing positive going for them. I'm not saying that at all, but the players do need to execute a little bit better when they are put in a really good spot from the coordinators who are calling the plays. So again, this falls on everybody, not just one particular group of people or one particular person. So going away from sort of the litmus test that this game will bring to both the players and the coaches themselves. What will this game tell us about where South Carolina's program currently stands, whether it is still progressing 
or whether it is potentially regressing in year two. I'll dive into all of that in just a few moments, but I also need to pass along a message from our friends over at Bet Online, who is also a sponsor for today's show, which we very much appreciate. BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info this season, where you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and analysis on every game you can find. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, who's about to start postseason play on Friday. You've also got mixed martial arts, boxing, and golf as well. So head on over to BetOnline on your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action. Because as always... Bet online is where the game starts. Welcome back to the final segment on today's show on the Locked On Game Talks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right. So I've talked about why the Kentucky game is going to serve as a litmus test for both this coaching staff, specifically both of South Carolina's coordinators, and how it's going to serve as a litmus test for the players on the team as well. Now, I'm going to talk about something that we need to have a discussion on. How much is this Kentucky game going to tell us whether or not this program is progressing still at this current point in the Shane Boomer era or regressing? Again, I'm not saying by any means that this game, no matter what happens, is going to change the job status of Coach Shane Beamer. That would be an asinine statement to make because he's only halfway through his second year in a program that obviously was not in entirely the best situation when he took over. Hence the reason there was a coaching change in the first place. But I do think that it is important for Gamecock Nation to recognize that this game is going to tell us a lot about where this program currently stands. Obviously, after year one, you could have said that this program was trending on the up and up, that it was trending in the right direction, and there was no doubts about that. Yes, they had their ugly blowout losses in 2021. And yes, they had a few big scares where quite normally they would defeat those teams without any question. Teams like East Carolina and Vanderbilt took South Carolina all the way down to the wire in 2021. But despite all that, the team managed to overcome enough of those obstacles and tests to not only make a bowl game, but also win the bowl game in convincing fashion against a program who was way farther into their sort of rebuilding project in North Carolina under Mac Brown's watch. So heading into this season, it was fair for the expectation level to be upped a little bit in the eyes of those who are part of game cognition but so far this season as i mentioned now countless times you don't need me to say it really a whole lot more this team has not lived up to the expectations that were set on them again they've had some really big tests that most other teams quite frankly would have also been squashed in at this point probably would have fared worse than south carolina did in certain circumstances But we can't look at the if, ands, and buts here. We can't point to Team X or Team Z and say, well, that team would have also not been able to live up to the expectations considering that schedule. They would have also gone 1-2 and to start the year. Heck, they could have even gone 0-3. You cannot do that. Because what you're doing when you do that, when you make those kind of statements is you're just purely deflecting. You're purely deflecting what is currently going on with the team that you love, with the team that you watch every single Saturday when you are watching college football. 
And for South Carolina, so far this season, they still have a lot of their goals that are out in front of them. They can still go on to win seven games. Maybe they could still find a way to win eight games. Although, admittedly, I would have a lot of questions as to how they would be able to accomplish that with the schedule that they have going forward, and everything that I have seen so far this season. And I predicted this team to win eight games at the start of this season, which is why I think that this Kentucky matchup is going to tell everyone who's associated with South Carolina's football program a lot about where it currently stands. If South Carolina goes into this game against Kentucky, they go on to find a way to upset the Wildcats, because let's be honest at this point, it would be considered an upset against Kentucky. South Carolina would be viewed as a team where you could say, okay, They had their lumps in the first few weeks. Those injuries that they had on defense especially really seemed to hamper them. Clearly, they got some things worked out the last couple weeks against lower-level competition. They got healthier, and that was the difference maker. They just needed a chance to reset a little bit on both sides of the ball, get their guys back, and now we could see this team at full strength, and this is a team that could potentially be anyone in this division the rest of the way. If South Carolina goes in there and they lose a close game to Kentucky, then here's the storyline that you're going to hear. I'm not saying that this is the truth, but this is what you're going to hear. South Carolina lost to a better coach team with less talent. Because quite honestly, that's what Kentucky has made their living off of for several years now. Now, Kentucky has gotten a lot more talented in the last couple of years to a point where they can contend against some of the better teams in this division, historically speaking. Teams that, historically speaking, they used to get just squashed by every single year, like South Carolina, especially when Steve Spurrier was roaming the sidelines in the Garnet and Black apparel. But at this point, Kentucky's now starting to get more and more talent every single year, slowly but surely. But until this point where Kentucky has now really started to get a roster that could contend against these teams, they've had to rely on out-scheming the other team, out-coaching the other team. And in games like South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, they're still having to do that to a certain extent. Again, the talent gap is not as big as it once used to be, but there's still a smidgen of a talent gap between South Carolina's roster and Kentucky's roster if you just purely put them on paper and you strip the name and uniforms completely away from both sides and you present it to someone and say, okay, which team should win just based on their potential and the talent on the roster? South Carolina would get picked. On a neutral field especially, but this game's going to be in Kroger Field. You're going to have to go up against a really top-notch defensive coordinator, Brad White, an offensive coordinator in Rich Scangrello, who has so far proved himself to be a pretty solid hire for Kentucky. Some of the issues that they do have on offense are really, truthfully, not all on him. It's really a personnel issue at certain positions like the offensive line at this moment in time. So if South Carolina goes out there and they lose the game, and let's say the margin's somewhere between 7 and maybe 16 points, then you could probably say, yes, South Carolina could have had their chances, but maybe they just were not put in the best positions to win the game. Last year, that was kind of the feeling coming out of the Kentucky game, that South Carolina, quite frankly, had just squandered some of their opportunities that they had against the Wildcats. Now, obviously, again, this year's team, from a talent standpoint, is much better than last year's team overall. So that did play a role in it. But this year, but this year, that's not going to be the same storyline if you lose once again by just a few points. Now, worst case scenario, if South Carolina goes into this game and let's say they just get throttled. Let's say that nothing goes right for South Carolina in this game. 
Let's say that they lose by like 21 plus points. Essentially a blowout in the SEC. Then there's going to be a lot of questions surrounding this program going forward. A lot of national talking heads who did give South Carolina a lot of props heading into this season. They're going to take notice of a result like this. Because again, Kentucky, they're a very good team. They are not a team that even if you lose to them, you should get annihilated by them. They should not go out there and pull away and win so convincingly so as to say that it wasn't even a football game, quite honestly. That should not happen with what South Carolina does have, which is why if it does at this point, then there's going to be questions about the trajectory of the program currently. And the trajectory that I'm referring to is not necessarily the long-term trajectory, but the short-term trajectory, that is a completely different story. There's going to start being questions about whether or not some certain players or coaches are the people that the Gamecocks need to rely on, if those guys should be in those spots. And again, I'm not saying that's going to be 100% fair, but if South Carolina gets blown out by Kentucky, there's going to be a lot of noise in Columbia, South Carolina for the next two weeks because there's going to be a bye week. There's going to be a big contention of the fan base who is going to make their voices heard. And again, that is justified when you look at the expectations that were set on this team heading into this season. So in essence, this is a consequence of the expectations that are set on you when you have a season like you did in year one, but you also went and actually made the team, quite honestly, better during the offseason, at least on paper. If you lose a game like this by a very wide margin, then there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked, not just from fans, but who knows? Maybe people behind the scenes that I don't even have access to and a lot of other reporters don't have access to are going to start asking questions as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see either way how this game's result could affect the trajectory of the short-term outlook regarding this program moving forward. What are y'all's thoughts on this game and how it could serve as a litmus test both in that regard and also for the coaches and the players on the team? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. But, of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC on Twitter and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And of course, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, but you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, go check out Chris Gordy over on the Locked On SEC podcast, where he covers all 14 teams in the SEC over the course of 30 minutes every single day, with the help and assistance, of course, of some of the local team experts of Locked On who cover the SEC teams individually. So again, make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Again, I'm really sorry for the delay for this show. I'm going to try to avoid that as much as I can in the near future, but was feeling under the weather a little bit yesterday heading into this morning, so wanted to make sure that I was all good. So again, that I could deliver a good show to all of you today. Thank you once again for watching and listening to us today. Hope that y'all have a great rest of your Monday and a good start to the work week, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.